So hey guys, welcome back. We have another interview, and today we are interviewing Chuck Parsons. Uh, and if you don't know Chuck, you're going to learn about Chuck because he's an amazing man, and he has written some fantastic books. I'm reading one right now, which is the King Fisher book. Um, you definitely you can find the King Fisher book. It's actually called King Fisher: The Short Life and Elusive Legend of a Texas Desperado. And it was written by Chuck Parsons and Thomas C. Bicknell. And you're going to want to find that at booksellers near you. But before we get into talking to Chuck, I always want to thank the folks over at the Tombstone Epitaph, Arizona's longest running newspaper. Uh, you can find the uh, epitaph at tombstoneepitaph.com. Uh, a three-year uh, subscription is $60. One year is 25 it really is the best value is to do three years because if you do it year to year, it's going to cost you $15 more. And Eric Wright and Mark Boardman are doing a great job at the Epitaph. And you can get a, get Tombstones and the Wild West History newspaper, a real newspaper, delivered right to your door. I also want to thank my friends and family over at the Wild West History Association at WWHA. Um, we just had our roundup up in Rapid City, which was phenomenal. I, I can't even imagine what the other roundups are like because this one was fantastic. And uh, you can find out more about uh, the WWHA at wildwesthistory.org. Um, the reason I urge people to join is because you get the journal, and the journal is about 105 to 110 pages of true research, provenance, history, that's brought to you without any, you know, ads for makeup and cars and all this thing. It is jam-packed with Wild West history. And and it comes as part of your membership, which is about 75 bucks a year. And international uh, subscriptions are a little bit more to cover costs for shipping. But on average, it's 75 bucks a year. And again, you're going to want to find out about the WWHA at wildwesthistory.org. So Chuck um, uh, uh, Parsons came to me through um, wanting to learn more about Wild West history. And I, in the beginning, I was focused on Cochise County in Arizona because I live in Arizona and I'm not far from Cochise County. But as my, as my research and my reading and understanding about West, Western history grew into other areas like New Mexico with Fred Nolan and Texas now with with Chuck Parsons, I I'm reading his book and I'm like God, I really want to interview this guy and I've I reached out to multiple people and they're saying and they were even recommending me saying Can you interview Chuck? We'd like to know more about Chuck. And so we reached out and if you want to contact Chuck to talk to him or at least purchase his book, um, I urge you to go to his email, which is uh, what the heck is it? It's Chuck in Texas 2004 at yahoo.com. Sorry about that. I was waiting for my old eyes to clear up. But you can find him at Chuck in Texas uh, 2004 at yahoo.com. You can also find Chuck uh, and his books and what he's doing on Facebook by just looking up Facebook, uh, Texas Books Chuck Parsons on Facebook. That's Texas Books Chuck Parsons. His wife runs the page, but if you're looking for an autographed book, uh, to add to your collection and to read, really, that's the best way to do it is to go through Facebook, Facebook, or email him again at Chuck in Texas two thousand four 
at yahoo.com. That's honestly how I bought the Kingfisher book. And it was fantastic. And he signed it along with his partner and they signed it. And, uh, and I have an autographed book now of Kingfisher, which will be in my collection for until the end of time until I croak. Um, and then my kids will get it. They'll, they'll be stuck with them with all the books. Um, so welcome, sir. Welcome. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to you. And I'm glad I'm here. So how did you, are, are you born and raised in Texas or did you? No. Where are you born not, and raised at? But I got here as fast as I could. <laughs> um, back in 1940, uh, I was born and raised in a little town in northern Iowa called Lorenz, Iowa. This is so, so long ago that the doctor made a house call. We lived out in the country and the doctor came out and I was delivered, you know, a bouncing baby boy and all that. That was back in 1940. And the first 10 years of my life existence, we lived on a farm and I helped milk the cows and mow the hay and throw the bales in the hayloft and lived on that farm for 1940 to 1950. And by then my father had bought a farm. He had been renting. He now had bought a farm in southern Minnesota, Fairmont, Minnesota. Uh, again, another farm, and uh, I was there until I graduated from high school and then went to college and then got a job. That's my early life. But what was the job? I mean, what did you do for a oh, career? Oh, what was, okay, I mean, well, what was your career in? Because you did something. I, I don't assume that yes. you're just writing books the whole time. No, I uh, I taught classroom for a while and decided that uh, this wasn't what I wanted because I was teaching junior high French at the junior high level. And as you possibly know, that is not the easiest job in the world. And I observed that the principal of my school, every so often he went to a conference or out of the office or something, and I thought being a principal would be a better job. And I got my degree and got a job as a high school principal out in Barrett, Minnesota. I was in Barrett for six years. And I loved being a principal. It was the job I enjoyed. I loved going to school every day. And I never had to take work home. So it was, I thought it was ideal. Um, and after six years, the kids that were seventh graders when I began were now seniors. And I thought, I've had enough of this. I want to go somewhere else. So I... I got a job in uh, southern Wisconsin, and I was there for, let's see, I, I had an interim position in uh, another Minnesota school, but then I got a job in southern Wisconsin, and I was there a total of what, nine years, 
and a total of 18 years as high school principal. And then I retired and I thought, I'm going to go to Texas, maybe get a job as a principal in Texas, but I really didn't want it. I wanted to be able to devote my life to research and writing and maybe publishing books. And that's where I am. But when when you were doing the principal work at schools, were you writing Western history or Old West oh, history? Were you writing yes. articles? For, because I, I would imagine that you just didn't say, well, Chuck, we're in Texas. I'm going to start writing. I, I'm thinking no, that you, you I, did I was, uh, Let's say I was researching more. And, uh, you know, uh, in Wisconsin especially, I was about an hour from the capital, Madison, Wisconsin, where the State Historical Society is. And they have tons of material about other states, such as Texas. And about every Saturday, I journeyed up to the State Historical Society of Wisconsin and spent the day researching in their newspaper files or their books or their journals. For example, they they had the the uh, Westerners Society volumes. There's, you know, the Denver Corral and the Los Angeles Corral and the Chicago Corral and the English Westerner Society. They had all these Westerners Society, their journals, and of course, many, many secondary books. And that's where I spent my Saturdays during that period of my life and researching. And it wasn't until I came to Texas that uh, things opened up where I could get published. For example, in uh, Wisconsin, I was researching the life of uh, N.O. Reynolds, Nelson O. Reynolds, the Texas Ranger. Civil War veteran, Texas Ranger, Sheriff and City Marshal and so on. And uh, strangely enough, one of the problems I was having with the research was finding a Civil War record. His uh, application for pension having served in the war. And we couldn't find it. And Somehow, there's a National Archives branch in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and by chance, they had it, or at least a copy of it, and I lucked out and got the complete uh, Civil War pension for N.O. Reynolds, a Texas Ranger, in Wisconsin. That's just one of numerous uh, bits of good luck that I've had in my not yet extensive career. Um, another interesting thing is that uh, besides my own research on Reynolds, uh, a friend of mine 
in Texas who worked at the state archives, Donnelly Bryce is his name. By chance, I discovered, well, he was doing some research on Reynolds because at one point in Reynolds's life, he lived in Lockhart, which is where Donnelly Bryce lives. And so we got together and um, through correspondence, that is, uh, and decided to put together a complete biography of Reynolds. That's how my, not my first book, but one of my books uh, became uh, co-authored with Donnelly Bryce. Someday you you can interview him, too, for your podcast. Um, now, I've gotten off the subject, I'm afraid. That's okay. Give me this. That's okay. Give me the question again specifically. Well, no, you actually answered it really great, which was before you moved to Texas oh, and yeah. started okay. writing, you were probably, were you doing other things? Like, I'll interview a lot of people, and this shows how, you know, wonderful Bob Bowes Bell is at Truest Magazine, um, uh-huh. is a lot of people will start off by writing small articles for Truest Magazine to get themselves into a writing mode and seeing what Bob thinks and getting published in a magazine. Did you do any of that? Yes. Uh, Before a magazine, though, let me tell you about another little thing which marks my first experience getting published, which is imperative for anybody. Somewhere you've got to get published. Well, my first career as a principal up in Barrett, Minnesota, the school had a cooperative program with a neighboring school. The uh, agriculture classes were held in the other school, as I recall. And I wrote an article about that, and that was published in a area newspaper. And that was my first getting published. It had nothing to do with Texas or Western history. It was about a cooperative program between two schools. And that was good to um, see your name and your writing in print. Uh, You mentioned Bob Bode Bell and True West and writing articles. My first article dealing with Texas history was in True West back when Joe Small Mm -hmm. was editor. That's how many years ago was that? A long time. uh, A long time, yeah. (laughs) Joe Small has gone on. The uh, article had to do with a Texan, of course, uh, George Tennelly or Tennille, who was involved in the Sutton Taylor feud. And I wrote an article and man, Joe Small accepted it. And I, that was my first publication in dealing with Western history. And what is remarkable, (laughs) I got a check for $60. And I thought that was the most wonderful thing. I, got paid for something I enjoyed so much, researching, writing, getting published, and getting paid for it. 
And I, I guess that was a key, keynote event because um, I, I had nothing to do but to continue in that line. Um, another first was getting published in the English Westerners Society, their publication, their brand book, which is a wonderful collection, uh, venue for, for writers and researchers dealing with any aspect of the American West, whether it's Indians or scouts or gunfighters, which was my area, or Custer or, you know, the mountain ranges and so on. But um, that was another important first for me. And looking back, I could, if I could see what was going to happen, my writings and publications would deal with Texans and the feud, the Sutton-Taylor feud, which brings in Texas State Police, brings in Texas Rangers, brings in John Wesley Harden, brings in the, the feud, families fighting against another family and their associates. And it brings in so many things, uh, even though you may write a book about an individual such as Enno Reynolds or Jack Helm or John Wesley Harden, you, at least from my experience, you can't deal with just that individual. You have to deal with his associates, his friends, his, the lawmen who are hunting him, or the other outlaws who are associated with him. And John Wesley Harden is perhaps the, in my experience, the best example, because his family, you you can't not focus on his family because his brother was killed and he he lost two brothers to uh, violence, one by hanging, his brother Joe was lynched uh, 1874 in Comanche, Texas. And another brother, Jeff Davis Harden, was uh, shot to death in a, I think it would, you'd call it a saloon fight. Um, so you build up the, the repertoire, the the other people involved with the main character that you're writing about. Well, let me take a breath. That's okay. Cause let, I'll say this while you're, while you're doing that, because I want people to understand the significance of your work that somebody who now who's new to wild West history and be thinking, you know, um, I've seen the name, but I don't know the man. Like this is exactly why we're here. I want people to know the what you've contributed to history and to Wild West history and to research. Um, again, if you're wondering, this is Chuck Parsons. Uh, he's uh, an amazing historian and researcher and writer. Uh, you can find Chuck uh, to order his books at Chuck in Texas 2004 at yahoo.com. Now he's got a a huge repertoire of books, and I'm going to read through them, and then um, we'll talk about some, which he's doing now already. Uh, of course, his Kingfisher book, 
that is out now. You can uh, find it at booksellers and emailing Chuck. It's King Fixture, The Short Life and Elusive Legend of a Texas Desperado. He wrote a book called Texas Ranger, Lee Hall. Ben Thompson, Portrait of a Gunfighter. They called him Buckskin Frank. Now, for those of you who love Texas history and tombstone history, you're going to want to get this one because it's about Buckskin Frank Leslie. He's written a book called Captain Jack Helm, The Notorious Luke Short, Texas Ranger, and we've been talking about already, N.O. Reynolds. Um, what do we have now? A Lawless Breed, John Wesley Harden, which I'm a huge fan of. I actually have a, a photograph of John Wesley Harden that I uh, purchased through an auction uh, at WWHA that was in Bob McCubbin's office um, and oh. uh, is now in my home. Um, I, I envy <laughs> Well, you know what, Chuck? Anytime you're in Arizona, you can come up. It, it was uh, John Wesley Harden's photo when he was about 19 years old. And uh, it is a beauty of a photo. And the fact that it was is in it, Bob... Is it a portrait or the one of him in Abilene? Well, it's, it's one of him. I don't know all the history on it yet. I just... Um, I've got to research it because I want to find out why John or Bob McCubbin had it in his office. He was about 18 or 19 years old in a black, looks like a dark blue suit, and his hair is very nicely done. Um, I'll have to get a hold of you off on that one. Maybe we okay. can talk some more about it. Um, he wrote The Sutton Taylor Feud, Deadliest Feud in Texas. Um, Captain John R. Hughes. The Lone Star Ranger. Um, that one I read is that it won a, a, an award from the WWHA as the best book. Yeah. Um, I forgot what year it is, though. Well, it's okay. We got plenty of time. And we have John B. Armstrong, Texas Ranger and Ranchman. A ranchman. And there was another one. Did you write a book about the town that you live in in pictures, Lucius, Texas? Um, is that right? Um, Lucius, Texas. Did you write a a book about the the town in pictures? Yes, the uh, Arcadia Publishing prints publishes. They publish thousands of books about individual towns, right? Individual ceremonies and stuff. And I wrote. Uh, it mean it amounts to a pictorial. Because it's a soft cover book with right. about 180 to 200 photographs. And it's called Luling. And I wrote it when I was on the Luling Main Street board. And of course, I had access to all the photographs in our genealogical library and our local oil museum. You know, we have the, uh, the Thump Queen Parade during <laughs> Watermelon Festival and oh my God, all I'm those there. pictures. So, so I had a tremendous amount of material to choose from. That was part of the difficulty. Which pictures do I use? Mm -hmm. And I also wrote a pictorial on the Texas Rangers, mm. ranging from uh, Stephen F. Austin's period through, up including the modern day. So those mm. are two smaller books uh, 
pictorial pic- picture books, basically. Well, you've got um, an amazing career, though, and it's still going on. And you have this oh, huge yeah. repertoire of books that are some of them I didn't know about, and I've got so many books I've got to read through. That's the bad. That's the bad thing. You get hooked into Western history, and for me, I like the facts. I'm not a story person. Uh-huh. I, mean, I like I right. like the facts. So, you know, I've got all these books in my. That's the bad. That's the bad part. Is we have more books than we have time to read, but we'll get there. Um, yeah. Well, a couple. Can I mention a couple sure. of other things, please? The um, back in. Was it 1998, I think? I was up in uh, the school in Wisconsin. Well, they were celebrating their centennial. Mm. And I had just gotten back from a trip to Texas during the summer. And I meet the custodian. And he says, Chuck, you're a historian. We want you to write a history of our town it's our centennial year. And I said, well, I mean, I couldn't say no, or else I'd have probably been run out of town. <laughs> so I wrote, I put together this book, uh, Through the Century, A History of South Wayne, Wisconsin. That was where I was at. That was the school. The town was having a centennial and I happened to be the chosen to be the author. It turned out wonderful. Um, I, don't, I don't know how many soft cover copies were made, but a hundred hard cover were made. Um, pictures, a number of good pictures. And uh, it covered everything from the Black Hawk War, which was in northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin. Abraham Lincoln was in that war. And we had Indians scalping white men. And up, I brought it up to the modern period. Wow. So that was another lucky thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Well, it's being at the right place oh, at the right time. Right. <laughs> oh, you mentioned the Luke Short book and the Buckskin Frank Leslie book. I was the secondary author with those two because the primary was Jack DeMathis, who you probably have some of his books, too. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he asked me to get involved if I would help with the research and so on. And I was glad to because I've been a fan of Jack DeMathis for decades, ever since his book on uh, Bat Masterson and and mysterious Dave Mather. Mm-hmm. So let's, we got some time, and I, and we only have about an hour, and we have about 30 minutes left. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It, so that means you're going to have to come back and do a part two. Would you do that? Oh. <laughs> of course. Oh. You heard it first. If, if you wouldn't have, if you would have said no, I'd have hung up the phone on you. That's, oh. that's not true. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about uh, your new book about Kingfisher because okay. it explores a part of history that someone like me knew nothing about about everything that was happening happening in Texas and in a small part of Texas What? Mm-hmm. why Kingfisher? why did you decide of all 
the people out there because he did have a short life. But what, mm-hmm. why, why Kingfisher? What, what prompted you? Because I think it has something to do with your, you said about how you're researching other people and then other people are involved that you end up finding uh-huh. researching about. Was that right. the case with Kingfisher? Well, yes, because a few years ago, uh, Tom Bicknell and I put together a a large manuscript on Ben Thompson, who is relatively famous. Um, Ben Thompson, his life is full. He's the Englishman, born in England, came to Texas. Uh, He participated in the Civil War. He participated in Maximilian's War after the American Civil War. He got involved in gambling as a professional. And as a gambler, he followed the Texans Cowboys on the trail to Abilene, Kansas, for example, and Ellsworth, Kansas, all these famous cow towns where Hickok was marshal at one year and uh, John C. Whitney was marshal in Ellsworth. And after the uh, cattle trade, Thompson got involved in that railroad war out in Denver, Colorado, between the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railroad and the Denver and Rio Grande. That was a short experience, but he also got involved in Dodge City, and that brings in Doc Holliday. And uh, after the Railroad War, he goes back to Austin, where he's selected to be the city marshal of Austin, Texas. And then, tragically, he gets involved in a gunfight with Jack Harris down in San Antonio at the Vaudeville Theater, and he is forced to, he he loses his job as city marshal because he's jailed during the time of his trial for murder. He comes free, but he lost his city marshal job. And then tragically, he, a couple of years later, he goes back to the Vaudeville with Kingfisher. And they both are murdered, assassinated. Well, Ben Thompson was a great success as a book. And Kingfisher was killed with King, with Thompson. So to me, it was only natural that we needed to do a book on Kingfisher. So Tom, Tom and I agreed, we'll do it. Well, at this point, Tom with his work, he's in uh, Seattle, Washington. He now is in Grand Rapids, Michigan. But I did most of the research and writing on King Fisher, but I, I needed his good eye to look it over. And fortunately, a gentleman by the name of Frank Hobart, H-O-B-A-R-T, had already done a tremendous amount of research on Kingfisher, interviewing elderly people who knew him or who had known him. And Hobart had 
a mountain of interviews and photographs and so on. And I was able to get some of the photographs included in the book. Well, all this material is down at the Uvalde, Texas library, public library. And I was able to have access to his four or five boxes of notes and pictures and so on. And this, this was during COVID where you could hardly get out of the, your house practically. So I was unable to go to a lot of courthouses and places where I'd like to go to research. But the collection that Frank Hobart had already accumulated, I had easy access to. And so that and some of the research done during the Ben Thompson research, I was able to put it all together. And University of Texas accepted my proposal, and now you have the book. But that, in essence, well, yeah, but go ahead. No, and I'm glad you did the book because it exposes people like myself who search for the truth about a happening, an event, a time period, in. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Pendencia? Pendencia? Pendencia, yes. Pendencia. And all of these things are happening with stolen cattle, property, wealth, marriage, um, uh-huh. children, and then you're, you're close to the border, so you, you have the, 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 the stuff that's going on Cross the Rio Grande, I you know correct, and and then at the same time, he's building, he's loved by some and hated by others. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Kingfisher, John Kingfisher is full name, but he preferred to be called King, and that's how we generally speak of him with his middle name, uh, as a youth during, um, reconstruction, Texas reconstruction, he got into some trouble and spent, he was sentenced to two years in Huntsville. He's about 16 now, which is a terrible time for a person to be sent into the state prison Mm -hmm. as a teenager. But it happened. But he did get pardoned because of his youth. Uh, After that, after his pardon, he's pretty much footloose and fancy free. Um, And he's a resident. He goes back home and he becomes again, a resident of Goliad County. And some of the people that he knew are settling on the Pendencia, or Pendent, as it's sometimes pronounced, which is not far from uh, Goliad. And within a few years, he joins the group at the Pendent 
and becomes a cowboy learning the trade, horsemanship and dealing with cattle, raising livestock, all those attributes to become a good ranchman, which he will become later in life. Um, it's, it's such an interesting person. He's, he actually becomes what he's, he's called a range detective, which is just watching out on the range for horse thieves or cattle thieves and dealing with them. And this, and this is along the Rio Grande in, um, Nueces River, the, that range, a dangerous time then, and it still is a dangerous time, of course. And uh, that's that's where he learned all his trade. And of course, at the same time, he was learning how to handle a gun, the horse, to deal with cattle and cattle thieves. And he uh, never was convicted of uh, stealing cattle or horses or killing people because for one reason he defended himself secondly he was smart enough to get a good to get a good attorney whenever he was charged with stealing something and that Hello? Oh, this and that and killing somebody and all that. But he was never convicted. Hmm. And he he had the respect of the <coughs> excuse me, the respect of the good citizens as well as the outlaws. And by eighteen eighty people are seriously considering him to run for sheriff of Uvalde County. Correct. Which, which he does. He's first made a deputy. Uh, one of the appendices in my book is his uh, his uh, oath to be deputy sheriff, and another is the pardon, which he was given, mm-hmm. and and so it's so he's a, a lawman. He's considered by many as an outlaw, cattle thief, and so on. And 1880, thereabouts, he's a deputy sheriff from Uvalde County. And people are saying, why don't you run for sheriff, which he intended to do in November 1884. Hmm. But he happened to go to Austin and met Ben Thompson and the pair, the two of them, decided to go back to to San Antonio and visit the Vaudeville. And we have the tragedy of the two men being assassinated in the Vaudeville Theater in San Antonio. And King Fisher could have been become the sheriff of the county. And if he didn't lived another 20, 30 years, he could have wrote his autobiography and we'd have a book as big as uh, the Ben Thompson book. Mm. Well, if you guys want the book, it's available at booksellers near you. Um, for me personally, I wanted an autograph copy. Um, and so I emailed Chuck at Chuck in Texas 2004 
at yahoo.com. It is a Kingfisher book. It's a short life and elusive legend of a Texas desperado uh, written by Chuck Parsons and Thomas C. Bricknell. Um, it is a beauty of a book. I was talking to Chuck in a pre-interview about the paper. And if you've mentioned, heard me mention before, I don't know why the paper is so important because I get some books uh, that are not Western history. The paper is real thin. It's a, a tear when you, when you turn them. And the paper here is, it's a beautifully written book and the quality and the photos inside. It's about 275 pages and uh, tons of footnotes. So if you really want to learn about it, and there's pictures on the front, so you kind of get to see what Frank, uh, what King looks like. Um, it's just a beauty of a book. And you, again, find it at booksellers. But if you want an autographed copy, go to Chuck in Texas 2004 at yahoo.com. Out of, out of all the books that you've written, besides the King Fisher book, does one mm -hmm. stand out as your favorite? Oh, <laughs> that's like asking a parent, which is your favorite child? Well, but, but no, the, the reason I say that is, and, and the reason I say that is, is that I've, some people that I've interviewed before, they said, oh my gosh, I love the book that I just did. But this one book opened the doors to other things that I began to write about. Like this one book was most pivotal. So maybe that would be a better way. Is there, out of all you've written, is there one that's most pivotal, pivotal in your career that opened your eyes to things that you had never seen before or may have said, this is like opening Pandora's box. I just got the best gift ever. Well... We haven't mentioned a book that I had a chapter in. Uh, there was a book, uh, the, the idea of the book was what were the most famous saloons in Texas? And the name of that book became Legendary Watering Holes. And it dealt with the Vaudeville Theater of San Antonio, the Iron Front of Austin, the White Elephant of Fort Worth, and the Saloon in El Paso, the name of which I have forgotten. But Jim Cartwright was connected with the White Elephant in Fort Worth. Um, Jack Harris and, of course, Ben Thompson connected with the Vaudeville in San Antonio. And Ben Thompson was... He, he considered the Iron Front his headquarters. Well, Rick Seltzer was the, the main editor who put this together and made a presentation to Texas A&M, and they thought, yeah, we'll publish it. Well, fortunately for me, Leon Metz was busy with some other book, couldn't work on what Rick Seltzer wanted. And Rick Seltzer thought, well, maybe Chuck Parsons will do a chapter. And I chose the Iron Front Saloon of Austin. And that was my first, um, my first university publication. Um, and that was a big deal for me getting in a university book. 
I had one chapter in a chapter in a book of five chapters. And now, Legendary Watering Holes, I think it's the A&M published it and they don't have any copies left. It's sold out and I don't know what people will do if they want to get a copy. Um, that was one that um, I think we should have mentioned. I didn't know. But now I have you know? And it probably I'm going to go to Abe's Books and uh, see if Abe's Books has it. Um, yeah. That's why I buy well, some you can somehow probably find a copy. The Chuck Parsons I, Library doesn't have one sitting, two or three sitting there? Well, I, I have my own copy, oh. which is beyond... I won't sell that. I have one other copy that I'm hoping to sell somehow. Well, I know a guy. He's on the phone with you. Oh, he yeah. might be interested. Oh. Maybe I can make a deal. All right. Well, we'll, we'll work on that when we hang up the phone well, or after the interview. We have a, about ten minute, five to ten minutes left. Okay. Um, it's going to sound so dumb. Um do you have, is what there something, I, what? well, no, it, Go ahead. It, there's, um, is there something about Chuck Parsons that nobody knows other than like oh. you, no, wait, like you and family, like, do you like fried pickles with honey on top or, you know, oh. or is there something about that that's fun that, um, that only you and family would know? Well, yeah, I don't, there are things which to me are important and some people kind of think, uh, why do you do that or it's right. not necessary, but every morning when it's about, you know, I'm an early riser. I get up anywhere between four and six and by seven or so when the sun is up, or it gets light, I head for mom's front porch, which is a little um, coffee coffee house, donuts, or not donuts, but muffins and little lunches. Uh, mm -hmm. um, a woman owns it and runs it, and it's called mom's front porch. And she has chairs out on the sidewalk and everything it's and i go and get my a cup of my morning coffee and a cup of hot chai tea latte for my wife mm. every morning monday through friday there are monday through saturday she's not open on sundays but that begins my day and some people you get up and you drive to a little place and get a cup of coffee and a cup of tea you know you could make it yourself probably but um that's one thing that some people probably think i'm a little goofy for doing but mm -hmm. i do it anyway and secondly i wish we could do it more often but i like to go to this other restaurant for lunch or supper and have a fall order or a half an order of fried mushrooms with ranch dressing. Ooh. That's my meal. Ooh, that's, we're talking now. To huh? me, that's one. Ooh. That To me, that's that's 
living. <laughs> Holy cow, Jeanette, you're talking my my language now. I'm gonna have to come to Texas. We're gonna have to go for well, mushrooms and, and ranch dressing. I'll, we'll go to Blake's and have fried mushrooms together. Oh man, what are you talking? Um that's that's okay. I like the mom's yeah. I like the mom's porch thing. Somehow the mom's front porch is, you know, you're supporting small businesses and probably everybody knows you. It's like cheers when you walk in the door and everybody goes, Chuck. Yeah. Everybody knows your name. Yes. And so I don't and, that's kind of cool. And uh typically among her first customers, there's a policeman, state trooper, um, Several other just men who go in for coffee, maybe get a some kind of a little breakfast, you know, and they know me and I know them by by name. And that's about all I know. But okay. um, where, to where me, is, it's a wonderful place. Where's mom's located? If you give a little shout out to mom. Um, I think it's 401 East Davis Street, Luling, Texas. So that's a, that's Uh, a shout out. That's a shout out to mom's front porch. We're going to have to go and, and, uh, and, and do that one. And then of course, we're going to have to have hang around later. Chuck will put me to work at the house and then, uh, we'll go for uh, fried mushrooms and, um, ranch dressing. I'm, I'm actually, that sounds pretty good. Um, do you All have any, right. do you have, uh, we got just about a minute or two. Do you have a new book that you're working on? I'm working on a companion of Jack Helm, um, whose life isn't quite as interesting. See, the difference is jo- uh, Jack Helm, he had an exciting life, short life, but he was killed by John Wesley Harden. C.S. Bell, who's the subject of my next book, had an exciting life, but he died of tuberculosis, which doesn't have the same attraction or excitement involved. How do you write about a guy who's dying in bed of tuberculosis versus Jack Helm, who's killed in a gunfight with John Wesley Harden? It's quite different. Right. I mean, you look at um, uh, Gary, Dr. Gary Roberts. Um, I know you know Gary. Uh-huh. Uh, his, oh, yeah. I mean, the, the book about Doc Holliday ends the same way. Doc died in bed with tuberculosis. Um, right. So you got some stuff going on. If you guys want to know more about Chuck, which we learned a lot, including the fried mushrooms and Mom's <laughs> Cafe, uh, which is I love. I love the whole thing. Uh, you can find Chuck at Chuck in Texas, uh, 2004 at yahoo.com, which is the best way to get one of his books autographed and signed. And I'll tell you what, the delivery, I, I ordered my Kingfisher book that way. He came right to the house within a week or so and very, very fast. So Chuck and his wife do a great job in mailing out stuff and, and contacting you. Also, you can find him on Facebook at Texas Books. Chuck Parsons, again, he doesn't run the Facebook, his wife does, but that is a great way. That's the the way I initially made contact with Chuck, and uh, and we texted back and forth, and here we are today. Of course, he's written the Kingfisher book, uh, The Short Life and Elusive Legend 
of a Texas Desperado. You can find it at booksellers near you if you don't want the autographed copy. But personally for me, I want an autographed copy. And so going through uh, directly through Chuck at uh, Chuck in Texas 2004 at yahoo.com is the best way. I also want to thank my friends at the Tombstone Epitaph, Arizona's longest running newspaper. Um, I really urge you to subscribe. Uh, Mark and the team and Eric Wright, they get it right to your door and it runs about $60 for three years or $25 for a single one-year subscription. But if you do the three-year, you save $15 and then you don't have to worry about writing a check for three years and it comes to your door. It's like Christmas every time it comes to your door. Uh, and the folks over at the Wild West History Association, uh, another phenomenal way to get researched and, and true provenance Wild West history right to your door through the journal. And it gives you the ability through roundups and other ways, including their website, to connect with people like Chuck. So if you're like me and you want to connect with a John Bosnecker or a a Marshall Trimble or a Peter Brand or Chuck Larson's who are Parsons. Those are the people that are in the WWHA and you can connect with them to get your questions answered. And it really is a great organization. We just did the roundup in Rapid City. We toured all over Deadwood, Mount Rushmore. We saw so much. I don't, it was the best time. And 2023 Roundup is going to be San Antonio, Texas. So we're going to be down in Texas with Chuck, and I'm going to figure out a way to get there early for those fried mushrooms. Um, it just sounds really good. I don't know why. Um, and we'll figure out a way to get to Mom's uh, front porch for uh, some danishes and tea. Um, anything you want to add before we go? Uh, you might be thinking about... Uh Oh, did I get one Kurt on? House. Oh. You, you probably, because he lives in San Antonio, plus he has a ranch down in South Texas. But if you were looking around for who to talk with about uh, one of your podcasts, he would be a good person to talk to. He's a collector. He's a rancher. He knows Texas. He knows history. So there'd be another hour spent with you. And he probably knows a few good places to eat in San Antonio. Well, I, I met Kurt and spent the day with Kurt and John in uh, Deadwood, which was a gift. I actually had a beer with Kurt, which was a high. Uh, John and Kurt were sitting next to each other. John Bosnecker and Kurt House uh -huh. sitting next to each other at a table at the original number 10 saloon in Deadwood. It my wife was like, she looked at me and she says, she said, you're like a kid in a candy store. Like I, I couldn't uh, believe that I had these two next to me. And, and then across the table was David DeHaas, Dr. David DeHaas. Oh my and, goodness. And I've interviewed him. I had all three of them at the table and Mary, his wife was sitting there and I, I, I was, oh, and Pam Potter was sitting there. I oh was my in, goodness. And Eddie, Eddie Lanham. And I had all yeah. of them at the table and I, I, I was, my mind was, was overblown. Now, Kurt and I will be doing a podcast. We've already talked about it. Um, and, and Bill Elliott is another one that I've spoken to. Um, we'll probably schedule him at the later end of the year. So, again, this Go is ahead. Chuck Parsons, uh, um, 
fantastic guy. Really, I really enjoyed today. I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I do. You can find all my podcasts on Spotify and iTunes. And be sure to go over to iTunes and give me a rating and review. It does help on the distribution. You can also find my podcast on an audio-only format on my YouTube channel at Cochise County underscore travels. Again, if you can subscribe, live, uh, put your notification bell on, that helps with distribution. And give me a rating review. If you like it, you don't like it, listen, I get it. Some people don't like them. They look for a more of a visual podcast. But we do these podcasts. If you're ever wondering, and a shout out to my friend Dave up in Tehachapi, California. Uh, Dave is visually impaired and he listens to the podcast because he can't read this stuff anymore uh, or he has his wife do it. And Dave is my inspiration for the audio podcast because he it allows him to learn about Western history and, and people, um, and he is visually impaired, and it helps him out a bunch. So that's why we do the audio podcast only. Um, as always, we appreciate you guys. Safe travels, and we'll see you soon.